Today on the show, it's a special episode. It's the origin story of Doctor versus Comedian. I'm Dr. Asif Doja, and this is the Doctor of Laughs. Yeah, not an MD, more like a PhD, except not the PhD, not a real doctor. And every episode, what we normally do is I pick a topic for Ali from comedy and entertainment, and I question him about that. And then Ali picks a topic for medicine and health and questions me about that. Yes, but today is highly abnormal. We are abnormal. We are not normal. We're different today. Origin story, man. It's good. It's good. I like it. You are a super nerd and you love origin stories to begin with, I think. Is it fair to say that? Absolutely. In fact, you know how much I love origin stories. I can remember back, you know, when we were kids. So we, you know, knew each other since we were little kids. And I remember going to visit you guys in Montreal. We lived in Ottawa about two hours away. So we come to visit you and I went to your room and you pulled out this briefcase. I'm like, why do you have a briefcase? And you clicked both sides of it and opened it up and inside were a bunch of comics in mylar bags i'd never heard of anybody collecting comics i just like buy them at the corner store and read them and then throw them in a corner but you had them all you had like daredevil and i remember this so distinctly you had new teen titans number one 1980 in a bag like look at this it's robin and kid flash and cyborg and all these um it blew my mind it's actually hilarious that I just said, you're a huge nerd, right, Asif? And then you just told everybody about how I had a briefcase that I opened up at age, I don't know what, nine. Allow me to, allow me to open my briefcase and show you my wares, young man. He's like a year younger than me. And then I got out of comic books and I think you kept going with it. But obviously I was, uh, I think I got into cards more, baseball cards, hockey cards. And uh, my small brain didn't have enough room for both. <laughs> too many collectibles. Yeah. And my problem is I stick with these things all the time. Right. So like I just kept collecting comics up until, you know, I don't know, like university probably until I stopped. And so what I loved about comics was the secret origin story of the characters. Right. And so some people have been mm. asking us, you know, how did you guys kind of, what was your background? What's your origin story? And what's the origin story of this podcast? So our origin story together starts in childhood with the strongest foundation imaginable. Comic books, sugary cereals, which I've talked about in the past. Your parents provided a fantasy land of sugary cereals. And then uh, a healthy dose of Star Trek and Saturday morning cartoons. I mean, that's the bond right there for a future friendship, obviously. And then we played uh, Batman and Robin. We acted out comic book land. Yeah, I know. And when it sucked, because I always had to be Robin and you were Batman. Like, how come I never got to be in charge? First of all, you never complained about it at the time. Second of all, I was a year older. I was larger. And you liked being slapped across the face, if I remember correctly, didn't you? You liked when I took my glove off and whacked you. No, that never happened. There was no abuse, luckily. Luckily for you. So why don't we start with your origin story? And, you know, it's kind of a roundabout way that you got into comedy, but why don't we backtrack kind of and start at the kind of very beginning? Yeah, I will say born in New Brunswick, where we met, moved to Montreal pretty soon after. And by the way, one thing about New Brunswick is that, so our parents met in New Brunswick because both of our parents immigrated at the same time, yours from Pakistan, mine from India, 
to New Brunswick. And so they didn't know each other beforehand. But of course, at that time, there was probably, I don't know, eight brown people in total in the province of New Brunswick, Canada. So just by that very token, they ended up knowing each other, even though they lived an hour away from each other, they still would end up hanging out. You just hear rumors. You hear rumors in the wind. There's a new brown family in town. My dad tells us that he used to say that, you know, anybody with even a Lebanese person, he'd be like, one of ours, Guyanese, one of ours. Look, you know, white person with a bit of a tan. Hey, could be one of ours, like anybody. They were so desperate for and longing for home that anybody with some, you know, melanin was like, hey, we're on board with you. Now, now you get to pick and choose, huh? Now it's ridiculous. Anyway, the good old days. But yes, New Brunswick was the, you know, the bedrock of all of this and then um, moved to Montreal. Was I a good student? Sometimes, some classes. I mean, it's really, I was on brand with the person I remain today. If I had interest in it, I could do well in it. If I didn't have interest, I couldn't. Like I have friends who didn't even like accounting and then went into accounting. I don't, to me, that's just insane how you can possibly do that. But I had, you know, whatever. I went to school. I thought I would be a financial guy, ignoring the fact that I'm not good at math or with money. And I thought, you know, tried to get a BCom. That didn't work out. Was asked to not do that after a semester. Was told in no uncertain terms that this is not going to work out. So then I went into poli sci got very depressed studying about the world around me because I was focusing on the developing world. And it was back then there was going to be like a the concept of the first world, second or third world. Back then when I was in the 90s, there was a fourth world coming up. Countries that were so poor, they were just off the charts. Mozambique and I think Somalia was part of that at the time, Bangladesh. Anyway, I was very disappointed in life in general got a summer job at Future Shop, which is a massive electronics chain, and just stayed there for two years, a summer job, that, because I would just, I'd go there, I'd laugh, I'd forget about the world around me. But then my dad, who's an academic, he's an English teacher, he would always be like, look, a BA, you have a BA in poli sci, a BA is nothing. And I'd be like, yeah, I know, I'm working at Future <laughs> Shop, I'm well aware that a BA is nothing. So he pushed me and pushed me. So I got a master's in marketing, I got an MBA. And then I dropped out of the MBA for a little while, got an IT degree, and then went and completed my MBA. So three things that were a complete waste of money in my life, BA in poli-sci, MBA in marketing, and an IT degree from ITI. It's tens of thousands of dollars wasted. So if you have like a technology degree, an IT degree, why are you so bad with computers? Is there a reason for that? That's the question that plagues me everywhere I go. People are like, no, you didn't. You did not spend $22,000 to not be able to answer anyone's question about even my daughters the other day. We were trying to cast, I don't even know the right term, from our laptop, from one of my daughter's laptops. We wanted to put Apple TV on the TV so they can watch it on TV. Couldn't do it. Couldn't figure it out. Have the HDMI cable, have everything. Just couldn't. There's no way. No, dude, you can do that like through the Wi-Fi. You don't have to. Couldn't even do attach that. Touch it. Okay. Yeah. We went hard. We tried to go hardwire. So then there would be no issues. So anyway, yeah. Awful in computers. Very bad understanding of the world around me, but always took a huge interest in comedy. Love making people laugh. Love entertaining people. To that point, would get asked often to host and MC weddings. Asif, you asked me to host 
your wedding. You and your wife asked me to host your wedding. And I think that was one of the big moments for me where I was like, man, there's a few hundred people in this room, right? Like a brown wedding is generally 300 to 500 people. And I remember thinking, wow, I'm really comfortable. I'm not even nervous with this many people. You just kind of do a, you know, you just kind of, it's the Ali Hassan show for a couple of hours. And I was really, really comfortable in that. And that is what inspired me to do stand-up comedy. That and the fact that I really wanted to get on food television. I thought open mic stand-up comedy could help me do that. Well, yeah, because you had mentioned that before, that interest in doing like getting a food show because you were doing catering and cooking at the time. And so this would seem like maybe a way to get into that. But like, how did you, we, we didn't really talk about this before. How did you actually start doing stand-up? Like, how did you do that? I called the Comedy Works. First, we have a common friend named Q. He had a music studio in his basement in Montreal. And he was like, well, why don't you come to my music studio? I'll set you up on the microphone. You can hear how you think, how you think. You can hear how you sound. That technology and, was amazing. Uh, so he recorded studio. it. It was amazing. <laughs> it's funny that we don't have that anymore. He was ahead of his time. And then... um yeah, you know, he recorded it. He put a laugh track on it even so I could hear what it would sound like with laughter. And then finally he was like, look, man, there's nothing else we can do here. I find this funny. I think you're doing a great job, but that is meaningless. You got to put it to the people, get it out there. And so that's what we did. I called the Comedy Works, which eventually became my sort of home, my home away from home in, in Montreal. And I signed up for an open mic. And that open mic was absolutely bizarre because I had been doing comedy effectively for hundreds of people at weddings and I was not nervous. And then that night on a Monday with like 45 people in that room, that brick lined comedy sort of, you know, a den of comedy, den of laughs and legendary room with pictures of Louis CK and Ted Alexandro and Ray Romano when they were all young, they'd all performed there. Something about that room, I got so nervous. I, I went on stage and I had six minutes of material, which I probably did in like three and a half because I just barreled through it. And as soon as I got off stage, my knees almost completely gave out as my body was like, what did you do? What was that? That was crazy. What are you thinking? But I really, I loved it immediately. And then that was it. I was like, I don't know. I don't know how I'm going to do this in life, but I got to figure out a way. This has to be, I remember even friends of mine sitting with me and going, so look, you're not you're not going to be a comedian now, are you? You're not going to do this because they watched me do so many things poorly and give up. And I was like, you know, you know what? I think I am. I think I actually am. And that was it. You know, I just pursued it, pursued it, moved to Toronto, A, to get married, but B, to you know, do comedy in a bigger market. And yeah, lucky break after lucky break combined with uh, experience and some level of talent anyway. And uh, here we are. The big dream. Doctor versus Comedian podcast finally happening. This is what I always dreamt about. Let's spin it around, Asif, and let's ask about your life. You are a pediatric neurologist, correct? Or have you been lying all this time? It is true. It is true. Now, listen, I mean, that feels like a pretty niche specialty. I, there's probably, what, 100 pediatric neurologists in this country? Yeah, about that in Canada, yeah. About that. If I look at children, you know, right away, I'm like, I don't like half of these people, at least. You know, that's being generous. You decide you're going to work with children. 
And also you decide you're going to focus on the brain of children. What prompts that decision? Or were you kind of, you know, backed into that corner and then made the most of it? Or was this the goal from as soon as you were in med school? Well, I mean, maybe we should backtrack a little bit. So when I was a teenager, so in high school, I taught swimming lessons. I was a lifeguard and things like that. And so, you know. I remember summer camp was a big deal for you. Right. So I was a lifeguard at summer camp. The summer camp wasn't just a typical summer camp. It was a summer camp for children and adults with special needs. So we had different sessions, children and adults, and they come. And so I was a lifeguard there. And eventually I worked up and became the director of the camp a couple of years later. So I already always had this interest. And then, you know, and it's funny in terms of like marks in high school, uh, I used to do really well at the beginning of high school. And then towards the end, I don't know, I just kind of like was probably slacking off and my grades were sort of average. And then when I, I remember finally- that I remember that because I do remember being shocked when you got into med school, because I had the memory of your average grades, which were Probably still better than mine. Yeah, I mean, they were like bees, but nobody really wants a doctor who gets bees, I think. So then I went to university and, you know, first year, you know, just kind of figuring out how to study properly and how to, you know, and it took like a year. Then I realized, okay, well, this is what you have to do, right? And then I was able to get good marks. But what does that mean, study properly? Because I don't believe I've still learned what that means or how to do that. Does that mean like work smart, not hard? Is that what we're talking about? Or really just how to be a good test taker? No, I think I would say the opposite. I used to work smart, not hard all the time. And Mm -hmm. that's not what you need to do. You need to work hard. Oh. Because what I would think is, oh, I can just skim a textbook and I got the basic ideas and then I can do well in a multiple choice, right? Because multiple choice, you know, oh, you just need to know a little bit to eliminate some answers and there you go, right? And then as soon as you get tests where they're actually asking you to utilize that knowledge, those tactics don't work anymore. And it just takes a while for people to figure that out. And obviously it's different for different fields, but you know, my undergraduate degrees in biology and physiology. And, and so, you know, that's the way you have to study for those things. And so as time went on, I figured that out how to do. And then I was kind of becoming more specialized as university went on. And as you said, when it's something you're interested in, I love physiology. Physiology is basically how the human body functions. Right, human physiology, that's what it's all about. You know, how we breathe, how our heart pumps, how our brain works. And I love that stuff. And then as time was going on, I realized, okay, actually it's the neurophysiology, the way our brain works. And that's what I did in my fourth year of university. I did research in that with one of the researchers at my university. So I was kind of getting into that as time goes on. And then now, like I said, I learned how to study. And then so I applied to medical school. And I'll be honest with you, I had one interview at one medical school and I got in. So it's not like, you know, there were tons of people clamoring down my door. And the other thing, which I don't know if I've told you before, but I didn't really know what I was going to do at the end of my last year of university. So I applied to a bunch of different things, not just medical school. Mm. I applied to a master's to do more research. I applied to occupational therapy because my sister is in occupational therapy and I actually applied to teacher's college. And so and I always tell people this, I got into an occupational therapy program. I got into a master's program and I got into medical school, but I didn't get, did into, teacher's get into teacher's college. Oh yeah. That's so, a, normally I would take this opportunity to take a huge dump on you, but I actually think you're a pretty patient person and are pretty good at explaining things. So that's, I don't know, I find that weird. I think you would have made a good teacher, but who knows? You could have also specialized in, you know, you could have found a cure for foot fungus had you been a scientist. Who knows what you could have done? But anyway, it feels like you you landed in a good place. 
Well, props to the teachers who work hard and we're clearly, all those people in that year who applied were clearly better candidates than mm-hmm. me. But I'll get back to the teaching in a sec. So I went to medical school then at, it was called the University of Western Ontario in Canada. Now it's called Western University. And then I went to medical school there. And as I was in medical school, I was trying to think about what I should specialize in. And I was debating, you know, looking into adult neurology because you do more rotations with adults and kids. That's just the way medical school works. And I was seeing that. And I found when I worked with adults, I really liked the medicine, but I find just when I worked with kids, it's just more fun. Like you get to play with the kids, hang out with the kids, chat with the parents. I just enjoyed that more. So I still was on the fence and I had lunch with one of my friends, Becky, in my last year of medical school. And I was telling her I hadn't decided what to do. She's like, what? And I knew her because I was a lifeguard with her back in high school. And she said, you've worked with kids all through high school Mm. into university. You clearly love working with kids. How is this even a decision for you? You should just do pediatric neurology. And then it just dawned on me. I'm like, she's 100% right. Like, What am I thinking? So that's when I applied to pediatric neurology. At that point in Canada, there was only one pediatric neurology residency program. Usually you do general pediatrics first and then do extra training in pediatric neurology. That's the traditional way. But they just started a newer program. It'd been around for maybe five years or so where you could go directly into pediatric neurology. So there was one in Toronto and that was the only one in Canada. So I that's where I ended up going and did that for five years and then started practicing after that. Bilal's your uncle. You always practice in Ottawa. You came and started practicing right away at this uh, children's hospital in Ottawa, Chio, and that was it, right? That's That's been your career ever since? Yeah. That's right. Yeah. And to get back to the teaching, so the other thing I did on the side when I was in residency is I did a master's in education. And so you can specialize in kind of health sciences education. So basically, I did a master's in that. And so the research that I do is a lot in terms of how physicians learn, how you assess you know, and how do you evaluate a residents and medical students and things like that. So in the end, I went back to the teaching. So I got my revenge on the teachers because I don't have a bachelor's in teaching. I have a master's. So I win. Okay. All right. I thought we were going to be mature about this, but you still got to stick it to the teachers in the end. Take that. <laughs> I got you. Very immature, but also uh, on brand because you, it's pediatric neurology, right? You're not known for maturity. You work with the less mature. And that's, uh, yeah, that's right. I get to make jokes all the time with these kids and it's good. They're not funny, but I still get to make them. So you're allowed, you get the freedom. I think what people will take away from that most is that you learned how to uh, work properly was uh, you learned how to work hard. Who would have guessed? Who would have guessed this entire time? It was hard work. That was the secret. I know uh, it took me a while to figure that out myself, unfortunately, Well, that's good. Thank you for sharing that origin story, because I think I've always found that very fascinating about why and how people choose the field that they're going to go to in medicine. All right. Well, that is our origin story. We didn't want to beleaguer the point. We just wanted to uh, dive in a little bit because people have asked, how do you know each other and why do you do what you do? So, you know, and I think we've covered our individual origin stories, but what some people have been asking about is how this particular podcast came about. And so the way it came in my mind is you've been doing a lot of stuff on the radio, Ali, in Canada. You do a lot of radio shows that have been broadcast nationally. 
And true story. So I thought it would be nice to do something with you, but what to do? And that's when it kind of became difficult. Like, how do we have something? What do we have in common to talk about? Right. And again, it just kind of grew naturally. Like, well, why am I always asking you these questions about comedy and entertainment? And why are you always asking me questions about health and wellness? And we get into a debate about something, Mm -hmm. right? Whether it's dieting, whether it's uh, that rash on your leg or whatever, right? And you keep that to yourself about my rashes. But yeah, that is interesting. And I think it's funny. It's another one of those things that was kind of right underneath our nose, but we didn't know it much like your pediatrics, pediatric neurology specialty was like quite obvious because, you know, you loved wrestling as a kid. I loved wrestling. I stopped loving wrestling. You continued. I love comic books. You love comic books. I stopped. You continued. So I have this thing about not sticking with things. So obviously, the focus had to be the one thing that I've really stuck with. Besides food, it's really been comedy. So, of course, that is the thing that we should be talking about comedy and and now acting and broadcasting. That makes sense for me. And obviously, this entire world of medicine, putting a lot of pressure on you to be, you know, responsible for answers for all of medicine. But that's what you signed up for. And I think just so people know, it's not, you know, we have to, it wasn't instantaneous, right? It wasn't right away we were able to kind of figure out that this is what we should do. It was a lot of kind of back and forth and I'd throw out ideas to you and you were kind of like, well, I don't know know about that. Like, let's try and think about something else. So coming up with the format and things like that and the details of it, it just takes a bit of time and hard work, right? Hard work. It has been hard work, but it's good. It's enjoyable. All right. Well, that is our origin story. If you have any other questions, you feel free to email us. Asif, our email is, you're the one who signed up for it. Let people know what that is. So drvcomedian at gmail.com. You can also reach us on Twitter or Instagram at drvcomedian. Let us know what you think of the episodes, if you have any questions, ideas for future episodes. And so before we go, anything to plug there, Ali? I'd encourage people to go to my website, standupali.com. I've got a few events of different kinds of cooking events that I've been doing and other comedy, you know, Zoom comedy events. And as the summer comes in, a few more live events are coming up, probably drive-ins and outdoor events like that. But um, it'll be all on my uh, website, everything that's coming up this summer. And your book? Book is also coming out October 5th. I will never stop talking about that, but I thought I would for one second. But no, you're right. You're right. I should not. October 5th with Simon & Schuster is there bacon in heaven comes out. So I will continuously remind you about that. You plugging anything? You got something? Hair plugs? Any plugs of any? No hair plugs, no other plugs other than this podcast. Like I said, please subscribe to the podcast wherever you get your podcast. Rate, leave us a five-star review. It would really help us out. That is it for Doctor versus Comedian for today. That is our origin story. I'm Ali Hassan. That is Asif Doja sitting across from me in the screen. Thank you very much for listening. We'll see you again real soon. See ya. Bye.